And uh, today in, uh, in, in our Bible study, Mr. Eric really also sort of gave a cute summary to it, saying you cast your cares unto God. Amen? If there's anyone burdened here, just raise up your hands and say, I am casting my cares to the Lord. I am casting my cares to the Lord. And if you are beside that neighbor, ask them why they are frowning. Why are you frowning? Your cares are with the Lord. Amen? So today I am tasked with, um, um, I'm speaking on growing in truth. Growing in truth. Now, when you hear the word growth, when you hear the word growing, the first thing that comes to mind is a progression from one stage of maturity to the other. A progression of one stage of understanding to the other. A progression of one stage of responsibility to the other. When we were um, in high school, there's, um, there's something they... They teach us, right, in biology. I don't know what the mnemonic here was, is, but back home, we used to call um, the characteristics of life Mr. Niger D. Is that the same thing here? No. Okay. Okay, so back home, they, you know, they hit it in our head. The characteristics of life, Mr. Niger D. What's that? Uh, you have to, you, a man reproduces. Man moves, movement. Man needs nutrition. Man, the, uh, when something is irritable, that means that person has some characteristics of life. And of course, the D, everything that lives eventually dies. But, but, but that's Mr. Niger D. I don't know what that mnemonic here is. But the G there is growth. It is expected that every living, living organism grows. For example, when a child is conceived, it moves from one stage of life to the other. It moves from infancy, becomes a toddler, you know, becomes, becomes a teen, you know, becomes a fully matured individual. But with each stage of growth, they experience another stage of responsibility. And you recognize someone as being mature when they move from one stage of responsibility to the other. So maturity is not necessarily just in age, but in the ability for you to be responsible for something. Responsibility points to the level of maturity that you have acquired. So when you think of growth, you recognize how much am I responsible for? So in your homes, how much are you responsible for? 
It shows the level of growth. Now I'm speaking to the kids. It shows the level of growth. When your parents expect more from you, they give you more responsibility. Them giving you more responsibility means they are saying, wake up. You should know where you are now. You are much more responsible than you think. You should be much more responsible than you think. Growth. Responsibility. How does that apply to us at our places of work? When they recognize your maturity has increased, they give you more responsibility. I recall <laughs> the first job I had, there was, there was a colleague of mine who always said this. He said, the reward for hard work is harder work. <laughs> because when they see, when people see that you can ha handle more, they give you more. So the reward for hard work is harder work. Growing in the truth. Growing in the truth. In Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 to 2. Hebrews 6, verses 1 to 2. You know, if you did not show up today for our Bible studies, recognize that we are really focusing on the book of Hebrews. Now, while you go through the book of Hebrews, you realize that Hebrews is a very, 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 I'll use the word powerful book. The reason why I say that is you begin to see the reason why we have been called into this, into this life. Yes, we are sons, but we have been called to be ministers of truth. God has he has placed something into our hands and he expects a lot from us. Each and every one of us. But then Hebrews chapter 1 goes to say this. It says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection or maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. Of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And then it goes on to say, and this we will do if God permits. So he calls the foundation of Christianity the laying on of hands. The doctrines of baptisms. The teaching of faith. But you see something? I, I recognize what he's saying here. He's expecting people to wake up to maturity. But the thing is, you do not expect of a child what you expect of an adult. I will not expect someone here who just gave his life to Christ yesterday to work as someone who, is, who has spent time in the word of God who has spent time in the training of the Most High and then start to say, 
Oh, immediately you need to start walking in, in, in true, total holiness. That is expecting too much. What I'm trying to say here is know where you are and spend the time where you are to build the right foundation so that the structure that you have would be eternal. You know, um, as, as I said, well, in the Bible study today, I was just, I was, I was mesmerized because every single thing that was being discussed was everything that the Holy Ghost was leading me to say today. See, yesterday, while preparing, I got carried away because those of you who, who follow the feasts, you know that this week is the Feast of Tabernacles crowning. Today is the last day. So you know when Jesus was saying on the last day, the great day of the feast, he said, let who, who, who test come out of their bellies shall flow forth rivers of living water. That would have been today. But I got carried away. And then I saw a clip of a young woman who was a pastor. Now, it gripped me because when I saw the name, I actually saw a song that I have of them. They are ministers of the gospel, so I know them. And then she begins to say, they grew up in church. They were pastors at a young age, at the age of 20. Her and her husband. But then life brought its trials, and now they are atheists. So they are basically saying there is no God. They said they visited a concentration camp and they were wondering how can a loving God allow this to happen? And that added to the trials they were going, they lost their faith. I can't help but wonder if the right foundations had been built. If they had had the right relationship. If they had focused on the one whom had called them. And had built on it. Would they have found themselves in that predicament? Would they become those who speak of atheism? They claim there is no God. You know, while Minister Eric was saying that. Uh, during Bible studies. I was just remembering what I had seen yesterday. And to the kids, you cannot leave your father's faith. You cannot leave your parents' faith. You have to know the Lord for yourselves. Know the Lord for yourselves. Ensure that the right foundations have been built. Because you are so close to the one who is eternal. Build that relationship. It is real. There is nothing as real as it. In fact, if there was something that was fake, it is us. Because everything that we see here came from him. Build that relationship with him. Amen. So what's the importance, 
the importance of growth. The thing is this. God will not entrust true riches to the immature. God will not entrust true riches, the riches of heaven, to the immature, to the irresponsible. When Jesus was giving parables, he gave them for a reason. In the parable of the tenth, ten talents, he said there were three servants. He gave one five. He gave one two. He gave one one. You know, for those, I, I think are we, all, we all know the story because I'm not going to go deep into that. We all know the story. When he's, he rebuked the one who hid his talent in the ground, when he rebuked the one who gave the silence in the ground, you would have thought since the one he gave five and the one he gave two talents to both scored 100%. Because, I mean, they multiplied exactly. The one who had five, got five made five talents. The one who had two made two additional talents. Of course, the one who had one buried. The one who had one that buried, he took that one's one talent, did not give it to the one who had, who had four, but he gave it to the one who are 10. Responsibility always goes to the responsible. True riches of heaven will always go to those who are truly responsible. So it is important for us to focus on growth. It is important for us to focus on growth. Now, when I speak of growth, I don't just mean you focus on spending time in prayer, of which prayer is important, or spending time in worship, of which I'm, worship is extremely important. But spending time in ensuring that whatever it is you are doing, you are doing in the truth. Because you recall Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1, it talks about repentance from dead works. It's foundational. What is a dead work? A dead work is something you do and you want to receive the glory. You want to be recognized. Oh, yes, I am the Apostle General Overseer. You know, you want to be recognized for the things that you have accomplished. You want to be recognized for the things that God has shown you. You want to be recognized for the things that God is doing through you. And the scriptures talk about that as dead works. You give and then you want people to know, ah, yes. Cause that dead works. Because according to the scriptures, he says that you have received your reward from men. But when you do those things in secret, said the God that sees you in secret will do what? Reward you openly. God will not entrust true riches to those who don't know how to handle it. Even with the spiritual, how do you handle the spiritual? Do you make it common? Do you make it common? There is that which is holy. Do you keep it holy? Do you perceive it as being holy? See, Jesus said this. He said this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. That what is holy 
You do not give to the dogs. And do not cast your pearls before swine. You don't cast that which is important, that which holds value. You don't throw it anywhere. When you are digging for gold, you don't, you don't just say, you don't just see that and say, oh, that's gold. I'm rich. Yay. No. What happens is you have to dig. Whatever has value, it requires work. Whatever has value, it requires work. Now, I'm not trying to speak on grace versus works here. We are all saved by grace. But there is a wealth. There is a wealth that is found in God that requires dedication and a consistent growth that God will be able to entrust some things to us. Do you not know that God wants us to to stand and be the sons and manifest his glory? He wants it. But can he entrust it to us? Can he entrust it to you and I? Some of us see the things that were done in the early days of the Pentecostal charismatic renewal. And we say, oh, but if we study history, we know how those things were abused. Can he entrust that level of grace to us? See, even our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus had to grow. He had to spend that time in growth. Luke chapter 2 verse 52. He had to grow in stature. He had to grow in wisdom. He had to grow in favor with God and with man. He had to spend that time in growth. Until he was 30 years old and then he began his ministry. The only way to growth is to desire the sincere milk of the word. First Peter chapter 2 verse 2. Desire the sincere milk of the word of God that we might grow thereby. Babies take milk. Adults also take milk. So we all should desire the sincere milk of the word. The only difference is babies can only take milk. But adults can take milk, meat, potatoes, whatever. An assortment. But for the fact that we are adults doesn't mean we no longer need milk. Remember, the foundation has to be there. And then you can build on the foundation. The foundation has to be there. So that when the the wind and the storms come, your structure will be found standing. 
Also, we are to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. So, how did Jesus grow? How did Jesus grow? Number one, he was consistently led by the Holy Ghost. In John chapter 12, verse 49, John 12, 49, he said this. He said, he only said what he sees the Father, what he hears the Father saying. And he only does what he sees the Father doing. That's in John chapter 5, verse 19. He was, he was joined, he was married to the Father. He was married to the leadership of the Spirit of God. He was married to him. He said, I abide in the Father, and the Father abides in me. The Lord is your dwelling place, and you are the dwelling place of the Lord. The Lord is your house, and you are the house of the Lord. If a man be in Christ, he is a new creation. In Christ. The second thing is sons of God are consistently led by the Spirit of God. Sons of God are consistently led by the Spirit of God. Romans chapter 8 verse 14 says as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are called the sons of the living God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are called the sons of the living God. So the question comes, what is truth? When you think of truth, you think of two things. The nature of truth and the product of truth. The nature of truth and the product of truth. When you think of religion, religion thinks of the product of truth. It thinks of doing that which should be truthful. So you think of the nature and the product. The nature deals with allowing that which causes truth to be revealed. And that is the spirit of the living God. You cannot walk in truth. You cannot be in truth without allowing the spirit, the nature of the spirit of God to dwell in each and every one of us and to reveal itself through us. The nature of truth comes by yielding to the spirit of truth. By yielding to the spirit of truth. Let's look at John chapter 16 verse 13. John 16 verse 13. John 16 verse 13. Okay, let's start from verse 12. Is, uh, are we there yet, please? Amen. John 16, verse 12, he says this, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine 
and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that you will take of mine and declare it to you. Growth in truth is extremely dependent on the Spirit of God. Growth in truth is extremely dependent on walking according to what the Spirit of God decrees to each and every one of us. That was what Jesus was saying. When the Father tells me left, I go left. When he tells me go right, I go right. When he tells me to go to the well, I'll go there. And then whatever he shows me about the people that are around me, I will let them know. Why? Because that is what he wants me to do. And it is as he releases those words, we learn what it means to truly grow in the knowledge of, of the Lord. Amen? Let's look at 1 John. 1 John chapter 2 verse 20. And we're going to go all the way to verse 29. We'll try to take this very fast. First John chapter 2, verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Just raise up your hands and say, I have an anointing from the Holy One, and I know all things, because the anointing dwells in me. Repeat it again like you mean it. I have an anointing from the Holy One, and I know all things. For his anointing dwells in me. 21, he says this. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. No lie is of the truth. No lie, no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you will also abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things. And is true. And is not a lie. And just as he has taught you, you will abide in him. Amen? You have something Enormous, a gift from above that helps you to walk in the truth. That helps you to walk in the understanding that the Father desires for each and every one of us to have. That whenever you see a lie, you detect it. 
Why? Because he dwells in you. The high priests usually, they, they had something called the effort, right? And there were two stones in that effort. It was called the umim and the tumim. And those were called lights and perfections. In other words, you'd notice there were times when, Moses, when uh, David would say, ah, should I go? Should I, should I chase them? Should I over, overtake them? And then he was waiting. What he was doing, he was, the effort has light in them. Light and so when there is a yes, one stone shines. When there is a no, one stone shines. We, as believers... We have the light and the perfection of the Most High God in the presence of the Holy Ghost. When he wants us to move and to proceed, the light of God shines within us. There is a light upon each and every one of you, my brothers and sisters, that the Lord has given and entrusted in us. But make no mistake, if we are not responsible with that which we have given, we will be held accountable. We will be held accountable because he expects us to walk with responsibility. Growth from one stage to the other requires a responsible heart, a true heart, and a heart that is willing to learn and abide in his presence. Just raise up your hand. I know we are doing a lot of confessing. I am of the truth. I am of the truth. I am of the truth. And not of the lie. So why is truth important? The knowledge of the truth makes free. See, it is not just the truth that makes free, but the knowledge of the truth makes free. John 8, 32. The knowledge of the truth empowers to face trials. It empowers you to face trials. You know, when you see weightlifters, I mean, those of us that, that love the Olympics, weightlifters, you know, all of them, they have something called the waist belt to help them lift heavy weights. So, the truth helps you. It guides you. It gives you strength to carry those things that seem insurmountable, to carry those things that seem too, too heavy for you. It gives you that strength. The knowledge of the truth empowers to face trials. The knowledge of the truth brings insight into difficult situations. It brings insight into difficult situations. Uh, Solomon, is, there's, a, some, there's something brought before him. And the wisdom of God that God gave him to rule the nation was able to bring insight into that difficult situation. When the truth dwells in you, you have supreme insight into difficult situations. Knowledge of the truth makes you an adequate problem solver. Turn to your neighbor and say problem solver. Problem solver. In the area of mathematics, you always know that there's not just one way to solve a problem. There are always multiple ways to solve a problem. When you have the knowledge of the truth, the ways of God, he gives you an ability, an innate ability to become a problem solver. So when people want to solve a problem, say, ah, that man, there is a man called Joseph in whom is the spirit of the gods. Just tell him this problem. He will reveal it to you. Problem solver. Ah, just give me a few days. I and my friends will go and pray. 
said Daniel, Michelle, Azariah. We will go and pray, and the Lord will give us the dream of the king. Adequate problem solver. The spirit of truth. It is also called the spirit of excellence. The spirit of truth. The spirit of truth. The knowledge of the truth sanctifies. It purifies. It cleanses. An increase in truth eliminates lies. You can see through the veneer of darkness. When you hold on to the truth, the Holy Ghost will always reveal to you when there is an issue. He will reveal it to you. Have no fear. The Holy Ghost will reveal it to you. When you have a knowledge of the truth, many things that are, that are left unsaid, the knowledge of the truth reveals. It, it removes the blanket. It removes it. it, it you, know, you know when they say uh, an unveiling, right? It, it unveils. You just see through situations. It removes every blanket of darkness. It sanctifies. It purifies. John 17 verse 17 says this. Sanctify them by your truth. For your word is truth. Number six. It is impossible to worship the Father without a knowledge of the truth. The Father seeks those who worship him in spirit and in truth. You can't go into his presence in lies, in deceit. It is impossible to spend time in his presence without the truth. The truth enables you to touch his heart. Finally, in John chapter 18, verse 38. John 18, verse 38. Jesus was with Pontius Pilate. And Jesus was standing before him. Pilate questioned him. Are you truly the king of the Jews? Jesus responded and said, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world. That I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. It's sad that in verse 38, Pilate responds and still asks, what is the truth? You know, sometimes we all face, we face some things and we ask ourselves, 
what is the truth? Has God really died that I might be well? Does God really hold all my burdens? What is the truth? It is depending constantly on the Spirit of God that takes us through those challenges and ensures that the foundation of Christ is properly laid in our lives. We encounter the truth from day to day. We encounter the truth through every storm of life. But the truth remains sure. Jesus, the Son of the living God, He is our rock and our refuge. Let us bow down our heads.